0: Hello and welcome to the Seven Bytes podcast, created and hosted by Seven Psychology at Work. Positive change with purpose for people at work. We're based in Dublin and we have a global reach. In this podcast, you'll get to meet some of our expert team, hear about their specialisms and top tips, and also hear about our views on the current issues our clients are facing at work. I'm Ross, a business psychologist, and I love being part of the Seven family.
1: I'm Emma, and I'm a part of the research team at Seven. I'm really passionate about conducting and analyzing psychology-relevant and up-to-date research on behalf of our clients across our specialist areas. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Seven Bytes podcast. It's a new year, and hard to believe it's episode five, Ross.
0: Yeah, Emma, hi, I can't believe we've embarked on 2024. Mm. and how quickly 2023 went. And some people find it's a time to reflect and set new intentions for the year ahead. And sometimes I find there's a bit of pressure on us all to do that, which I kind of resist. And some people view it as a time where we're kind of beginning to emerge from hibernation and dream what the year could have in store, preparing for spring and new beginnings. So whatever your perspective, I'm really excited for today's discussion.
1: Yeah, and we have a really interesting episode in store for you today. I'm going to be asking Ross all about a specialism. It's a therapeutic approach called ACT, and we're going to explore how it's being applied in the coaching and workplace context with seven clients. But before we get into that, Ross, can you tell the listeners firstly what ACT stands for and secondly, what is it?
0: Yeah, sure. So ACT stands for Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. Now, listeners, don't be alarmed by that word therapy because for the past 20 years the body of research has grown significantly to show the effectiveness of ACT in the workplace so it's very much an approach that can be used in a whole variety of settings but what we're going to focus on and what I focus on in my work is using this acceptance and commitment therapy in the workplace and the evidence shows it can enhance our effectiveness in work and life it's not just for our working lives it's for our whole lives it can improve our own well-being and our personal resilience It can help us develop our skills to move towards those things that might be important for us. It also helps us reduce rumination outside of work. You know that thing where maybe you had a really tough day at work and you get home, you're with family, friends, your loved ones, or you're just sitting on the sofa alone, but your mind is still in the workplace. That's not a healthy state for us as human beings. It can help us consider what's important and help us also recognize the barriers And when I say barriers, I'm more interested in the barriers that are inside our heads, those internal barriers, those thoughts, emotions, memories and sensations that might stop us moving towards the person we'd really like to be.
1: Brilliant. And so what are some of the key principles of ACT?
0: Yeah, ACT is a set of processes that help us develop something called psychological flexibility. And the way we've designed it to present to a workplace audience, whether it's leaders, whether it's in one-to-one coaching, or whether it's for groups of individuals, we break it down into three skills. And those three skills are noticing, active, and open. And maybe if I just expand on those a little bit, it'll give people more of an idea about what I mean by those skills. So noticing, first of all, we can go through our lives not really noticing what's going on around us. There's some research done by Harvard, and it suggests that of our waking hours, we can spend 47% of our time on autopilot. An autopilot is that state where our body is in one place, but our mind's thinking about something else. And sometimes that's dead useful. Sometimes that's where our great creativity comes from, where we get great music, architecture, poetry, literature. But sometimes that autopilot overreaches itself, and our mind is wandering when we really want to be focused on Perhaps the person in front of us, or perhaps a meeting we're in, or perhaps a strategy we're trying to deliver. So, this noticing skill is fundamental to us as leaders and humans in the workplace. Because if we can notice more what's going on around us, outside of us, that's really helpful. We can maybe notice the emotional state of people around us. We can notice the connections we have and the impact we're having on the people around us. We can perhaps also notice threats and opportunities in the workplace. And equally importantly, can we notice how we're showing up in the world, the impact we're having on others, and also that stuff inside of our heads that might be helpful and sometimes might be less helpful. So the second skill is active, and this is about using our personal values as a guide, and sometimes in our working lives and in our lives in general we kind of lose touch with what matters to us. It becomes a bit dusty, if you like. And by exploring what really matters in different contexts in our lives, including our work, we can really think about how we want to show up and we can use those personal values, maybe something like courage or role modeling or authenticity as a guide for our behavior and work out how we can express them in the way we show up. And then that third skill is open. And this is about skillfully relating to the inner world. Now that might sound a bit woo-woo, but what I mean by that is our mind is producing loads of stuff, things like thoughts, emotions, memories, sensations, urges, and that stuff can derail us. It can keep us stuck in unproductive loops and habits. Thoughts like, I'm not good enough, or I'm not clever enough or people are gonna discover me for the fraud and the charlatan that I am. Thoughts like that can mean we don't reveal our true light and potential to those people around us. So what ACT does, this skill from ACT, it helps us to relate to that content in different ways and recognize that we're not broken. If we're experiencing those thoughts, it's just a, a way that our minds have evolved to protect us. And quite a lot of the time, it's not that helpful. So they are the the three skills. And that's how we generally start to introduce those skills to, to a workplace audience, whether it be a group of leaders, whether it be in one-to-one coaching.
1: Wow. And as I was hearing those three, that noticing, active, and open... Such relatable concepts coming through, you know, that feeling of being on autopilot or even those troubling thoughts that may come up about yourself, you know, that I'm not good enough. So it's brilliant that ACT breaks it down into those three key principles. Mm. And so, Ross, how did you come across ACT?
0: Well, maybe if I take a a step back, Emma, just to give a bit of the context of the background, because I had a career in HR, in leadership roles in the UK civil service. So I was in the, the home office and the department for business for 20 odd years. And then about eight years ago, I jumped ship. I had this itch this makes sense. I had this itch that I wanted to scratch over my last years in the civil service. I had a great time. I did loads of different roles. And I felt there was more that I could give. And I kept having this thought, there's more that I can give. Is this it? And so I thought, what form would that take? And the the form it took eventually was me leaving the civil service and going back to uni. My first degree way back was in psychology up in Dundee. Then I did, along the way, a master's in human resource management. And then when I left the civil service, I did another master's in organizational psychology. And on that program of lectures, there was a lecture that still stands out to me. It was by Dr. Paul Flaxman at City University of London. And he was giving a lecture on this subject of act in the workplace and how the evidence shows it supports the enhancement of psychological well-being at work. And he started to unpack it for us in a way a bit like I've just done for for you. And I was like, oh, my God, this makes so much sense for me. It feels very practical. It feels very accessible and skills that we all can practice. Because quite often when I present these skills, people go, yeah, well, that seems like common sense. But actually, the key is practicing them and then noticing the impact of choosing some values and moving towards them. So I came across it in this lecture, and then it just grew and grew from there. And it turned out that After my studies, I remained at City University of London and to this day, I work in a research practitioner partnership with Dr. Paul Flaxman, who's a globally recognised expert in Act in the Workplace and has been researching it for nigh on 20 years. So I'm fortunate enough to work alongside Paul in the design and the development of interventions and ongoing research in a whole host of different working populations.
1: I can really see how that approach resonated with you, Ross, but why did it?
0: I think for a whole host of reasons, Emma, but let me try and unpack that because I think as someone who's been anxious their whole life, it helped me realise that that stuff in my head Is actually my mind doing exactly what it was designed to do. But over my life, that stuff in my head has stopped me doing things that I really wanted to do. It's maybe dimmed my light, if that makes sense. And it's made me get tangled up more in the anxious things. I often say I come from a long line of catastrophizers. So I can escalate any occurrence in work and in life to utter disaster in nanoseconds. And sometimes I'd get really tangled up in that, which meant I wasn't really showing up. I was stuck inside my head. So by practicing the skills from ACT, it allows me, I think, to authentically present them to other people. And also really reflecting on different areas of my life and how I want to be. What would the best version of Ross look like? Really thinking about how that would look and how I could use those values or principles as a guide for my behavior. And it's transformed every area of my life. It's made me think about how I'd like to be. And I grew up in a small village in the northeast of England near Newcastle. And when I was growing up, I was thinking, I'm different, I don't know how to express this. And there were no, when I grew up, there were no credible gay role models in public life. The only role models I really had were exaggerated characters on, say, a sitcom which made me growing up feel quite isolated, like there was something wrong with me. And it also led into my early years in the workplace. I felt quite disconnected, like I had to hide because I knew I was gay, but I didn't quite know how to admit that to myself or to, goodness me, share that with other people. And I did eventually manage to do that before I came across ACT. But ACT has helped me really think about how I want to be in the world and how I want to be in life. As, as a role model for others, for leaders, for people at work, to help them be their best selves.
1: That's so compelling. And hearing how ACT was not only something that's relevant in your work life, but actually there was something that resonated with you in terms of that personal aspect of managing anxiety and acting as a guide for behavior. And so what was it about ACT that made you want to implement it into your coaching practice?
0: Part of it is the evidence base. I always like to, to bring evidence-based research to life in my coaching practice. Another part of it is that I know from our own research at City University of London that people are suffering at work. For example, if people who send to come up on a workplace program of four sessions to cultivate the skills from ACT, around 40% were experiencing borderline clinical levels of distress. Usually it takes the form of depression, anxiety. And stress. And that's what gets me up in the morning. We have evidence based skills which can be shared and cultivated in others. And remember, if we can increase psychological well being, that's the most reliable predictor of performance, attendance, and turnover. So it's kind of like a no brainer for organizations. We've got this behavioral science that can increase psychological well being, and that's the predictor. So I guess the other part is, It's a real privilege to share these skills with adults in the workplace. I was never taught these skills in my schooling or in my further education, and neither were many adults. And Emma, you asked about coaching. And coaching, ACT is super useful because it allows me with a client to unpack what's going on in their heads. We can actually sort how they'd like to be, what might be getting in the way, and how those things can show up in their behavior. So it can accelerate the impact of a coaching session for me by allowing us to explore that together. And quite often I'll put it out there on a whiteboard or a piece of paper and it just makes it very visual and accessible to them and keeps it uppermost in their mind about how they'd like to be. What would the best version of themselves look like in this context in their lives?
1: Brilliant. And I never thought of that fact that many adults going into the workplace were not taught these skills, or you could even say coping mechanisms. And that's great to hear that it's an an evidence-based model. And as you mentioned, it's so important to remember those correlations between psychological well-being and other organizational outcomes, and also in turn, quality of life more broadly. Mm -hmm. So, Ross, I'm keen to find out how you've applied the theories of ACT and behavioural science to your work with Seven's clients.
0: Yeah, well, in the one-to-one, it's very flexible and responsive. It enables me with clients to co-create perspectives so they can think about what really matters to them, how they want to be, and also reflect on what's getting in the way, those thoughts, emotions, memories, sensations, and urges that might be showing up inside of them that can get in the way With them being the version of themselves they'd really like to be. And it gives them a practical way forward to help them be flexible and adjust to the context that surrounds them. So it creates this sustainable way of looking at their own leadership.
1: I'm wondering from your experience, could you give us any specific case examples of where ACT has helped someone overcome a particular challenge in their work life?
0: Yeah, I was thinking about this, Emma, thinking of ways I could bring this to life a bit. And I've got a couple of examples. So a few years ago, I was working with a guy who was an investment banker and he came to me for one-to-one coaching and to cut a long story short, he was miserable. He was really demotivated, extremely unhappy in his job. He was making significant amounts of money, had a beautiful house and a family, but he was deeply unhappy and depressed. And over a number of sessions, we talked through what really mattered to him. And there were things in his life that really mattered to him, like providing for his family. And obviously, he was providing a certain level of lifestyle for his family, a comfortable lifestyle. But he also shared with me that his kids had noticed that he was miserable. And said they'd, they'd rather have a daddy who was who was happy and and playing with them rather than sad all the time. And that really struck him. And he really started to explore what matters to him. And what mattered to him was education. He was he was a coach in sports in in his spare time, and he wanted to expand that. So he actually started to take some small steps to think what would it be like to be teaching young people. And he started to make contacts with local schools and actually then had some, what you might call work experience as a teaching assistant. And he absolutely loved it. He was buzzing and really felt connected with what matters to him. And there was other stuff also showing up. You know, I talked about that stuff that shows up, which we must explore. We need to explore in coaching. That things like, there's quite a salary differential between being an investment banker and a teacher, say the least. And how would that work? And because of his expertise in numbers and investments, he could really think about how he could still maintain his support for the family whilst studying to be a teacher. So the long and the short of it is he relocated to a different area of the country and trained to be a teacher. And that's a really radical shift in career, no?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to hear that that's possible through coaching someone on these core principles, you know, that active principle, the alignment to his values and what matters, but also exploring those those thoughts that come up.
0: Mm. And and don't get me wrong, there was a whole heap of conversation in this. There was high emotion, concern, mm-hmm. worry. It wasn't as sort of Pollyanna as I've described it there. It was a really intense and at times quite emotional journey over months. This wasn't something like, oh, yeah, I'll pack up today and I'll start tomorrow. This was over a, a period of time. But hopefully it illustrates that there's always time for us to really explore what matters to us and see how we can bring that to life in, in any area of our lives.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And it's great to hear you talk so openly and honestly about this takes time, it takes work. And then in terms of working with the team, Ross, how do you apply ACT to your work with them?
0: Yeah, that's interesting, Emma, because you can ramp up the skills from the one-to-one basis to apply to groups. So you can really use this framework to generate collaboration and cooperation between teams and help them collectively really think about who they want to be. What's the purpose of this team? And what would it look like if everyone was aligned and moving towards this purpose?
1: That's really interesting. And what's the impact of using that with teams?
0: Well, I think in brief, Emma, it helps a team to really surface their assumptions. There are people sitting around the table in a team, and perhaps they've each got a different take on what that team is for and what they're moving towards. So it can help them identify practical small behaviors that really represent how they want to be as a team. And it can also help them as a collective see what can get in the way, what could be showing up inside of anyone in that team that might result in a behavior that takes them away from that collective intention. So it really, in my experience, enables conversations that normally might take weeks or months it accelerates them to a really practical and workable level to really generate their own insights as to how they want to be and what that looks like in their behaviour.
1: I liked how you mentioned that that awareness of different perspectives of other people on the team, that there's often an assumption that we're all motivated towards the same thing when what could be going on in in one person's mind and setting their intention could be completely different for someone else. And are there any examples that you could give of, of some of those tools or techniques you may have used in that time?
0: Yeah, I think I'll share one that may resonate with people. And it's a metaphor. There's quite a lot of metaphors in ACT. A One that I find resonates with quite a lot of people. I mean, I've, I've trained hundreds of people in this and worked with loads of people in coaching. Is a metaphor called the passengers on the bus. So I think I'll I'll share that with the listeners, Emma.
1: Yeah, please do.
0: Okay, so you might like to to just imagine this as, as you listen to me describe this, folks. But imagine you're the driver of your bus of life and you can direct it in whatever way you want. You can direct it towards what matters to you in life. You're the driver, you're in charge. But the tricky thing is the moment you turn the ignition on and start moving your bus forward towards what matters to you, there's loads of chatter starts up behind you. And we call these the passengers on your bus. They are like what's going on in our minds. And some of those passengers are quite mundane. They're just going, oh, look, there's Tesco's. Or, oh, look, I must remember to get some milk. We've run out. They're just just general mundane, everyday things popping up in our heads. Other passengers are quite supportive. They're saying, hey, Ross, I can see where you want to get to. I can see what's important to you. And we think you have all the skills and the knowledge and the expertise required to move towards this, so to so go for it, mirror signal maneuver, you can take that new avenue in life and really go forward with confidence. And these passengers, they're all of them, they're all a bit crafty because they know what we're thinking. Because some of them are less helpful. Some of those passengers are saying to me, "Oh, Ross, the seat's on your bus. Really uncomfortable. And you're not a particularly good driver, are you?" There are better drivers on this route. And you might see other bus drivers going off on different routes, taking new avenues. But you know deep down that's not for you. You know deep down where you want to stay is on that circular route, round and round the city. Just keep going round and round because you know where you feel safe and comfortable. Don't be taking that new route. That's not for you. You're not that type of person. And then there are some that are just downright rude, these passengers on my bus. And they are saying to me, Ross, have you even got a license for this vehicle? Because you wouldn't know it the way you drive. And they say, we can see you're thinking of moving towards some new avenues in your life, taking a new turn. Well, actually, we know that will be followed by a series of unfortunate events ending in utter, utter catastrophe. So don't do it. In fact, I think you just need to pull over and stop the bus because you're no good. And that's the metaphor, which I think really represents the human condition. It represents how we can have aspirations to move towards things that are important to us, but then our minds can hijack our behavior. All those passengers piping away at once can really get in the way. And what we know is that we can develop skills, really simple skills that can help us get a bit of distance between ourselves and those passengers. We're not suggesting we throw them off the bus, because we know from the evidence that doesn't work that effectively much of the time but we can reduce their impact on us by relating to them differently and getting a bit of space between us and them. So they're not these mini-dictators shouting at us that we're giving 100% of our attention to. So that's that's it, Emma. That's the the metaphor of the passengers on the bus. What do you, what do you reckon?
1: I love it. I love how you've simplified such a complex construct that's certainly relevant for a lot of people, I imagine, and broken it down into this simple anecdote that really does make sense, and it's not about throwing those passengers off the bus, it's about accepting them. They are there, but it's how you react to them and creating that space that
0: Mm. really
1: makes a difference. And Thank you so much for that, Ross.
0: And and Emma, you, you said an important word there, accepting. Because sometimes when we talk about acceptance and commitment therapy in the workplace, people say, so I just need to accept all these things that happen and sort of in a passive way. So in that sense, acceptance isn't the right word. A lot of people in my field use willingness because moving towards what's important to us isn't always easy. Sometimes it can bring up anxiety, fear, but we know deep down that that thing is important to us. So am I willing to experience that inner anxiety and then go and give a presentation to 300 people? which fills me with anxiety. But my message, the skills I want to convey to people are so important to me. It's part of my mission in my life that I'm willing to experience that anxiety in the service of reaching more people.
1: Okay, so it's almost an acknowledgement of by going closer to these things, that are our values... Those anxious thoughts, they're always gonna be there, but it's staying rooted in this is what I want to do.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely beautifully put, Emma. Yeah. It's knowing that this route might not be easy. And sometimes those unhelpful thoughts or passengers might get louder as we move towards that thing because it matters to us.
1: Yeah. And that actually makes sense. You know, I've I've often said anecdotally to friends or family, nerves are a good thing. This is something that matters to you. That's why they're there. But it's just great to have you unpack that for us, Ross. So thank you so much. And ACT really integrates with some other seven models, Ross. Could you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, that's right, Omar. I've already run an introduction to ACT for the team at Seven. And I've been building on that with one-to-one conversations with my colleagues. We're also looking at how, as a team, we at Seven can integrate our different specialism and expertise to serve organisations even more effectively. I've been speaking to our colleague, Kerry Cullen, whose specialism is polyvagal theory. And we're having lots of light bulb moments about how polyvagal and ACT can interact and be integrated as a whole. And spoiler alert, I know that Kerry is going to be the next guest on the show. So I'm super excited to be talking to her about polyvagal, that combination and integration with ACT to support the workplace more effectively.
1: Yeah. And it's really interesting to be able to integrate different models into the coaching context. So I'm really looking forward to hearing that episode, Ross. And just before we finish up, what would you recommend to any listeners out there that might be looking to find out a bit more about these brilliant tools and techniques?
0: Yeah. Well, thanks, Emma. What I'd say to the listeners, if you're interested and curious about ACT, come and talk to us. Get in touch. Let's have a chat. Let's talk about your organizational needs and challenges and see how ACT might support you. Those flexible skills from ACT might be suitable to meet your requirements using evidence-based behavioral science.
1: And do you have any additional resources on ACT that you would recommend to any listeners out there that might like to find out a bit more about ACT?
0: Yeah, um, I think I'll mention two or three. There's a book called The Happiness Trap by Dr. Ross Harris, who's an ACT expert and practitioner based in Australia. And he's great at bringing ACT and making it accessible for people. And it really challenges that myth that we need to be happy all the time and if we're not happy all the time there's something wrong with us it's a great read another one i'd mention is my own podcast it's called people soup and it aims to bring to life these skills from behavioral science in a way that's practical accessible and fun so i have short episodes and recently it's been more of the longer episodes speaking with other people in the field and then a final resource would be a self-published book called the overthinker's guide to life by a guy called Andrew Sewell. And there's an interesting story there. Andrew was a coaching client of mine eight years ago, and he was working in a creative agency as the chief copywriter. And we had some coaching sessions. And since then, he's left that work. He's become qualified as a coach. And he's written this extraordinary guide to support people who find that they overthink in life. So if any of you are out there are resonating with that overthinking, it's well worth checking out. And I'll make sure all these links are in the, the show notes, Emma.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And listeners, Ross's podcast is incredible. Give it a listen. It's well worth it. And thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to episode five. We hope you've enjoyed it. And do make sure to subscribe to the podcast and engage with our posts on LinkedIn. And we'll pop our LinkedIn page in the show notes for the episode also. We have two more exciting episodes this season. So Do keep your eyes peeled on our socials. And thanks again, Ross, for teaching us all about ACT.